Knowledge is the fuel that powers intelligent buying and selling. So get a quick recharge with me, Ron Edwards, Master Sommelier and Director of Wine Education for Winebow, Fine Wine, and Spirits. Welcome back to Wine Smart. Today we're going to talk about organic. It's a topic that needs to be discussed. It's important in viticulture today. It's important in our wine industry. It's important to the world at large. And let's get a handle on how that applies in this specific genre. But we're going to start with history. Uh, it's good to know where organics, as we now know it, came from. I, I suppose you could say at some level organic farming was the original farming, but there's more to it than that because there's some concepts other than just subsistence farming that apply when you start talking about organic agriculture. It really started in the early 20th century to evolve in Europe and the United States, and we originally were using terms like humus farming. In other words, um, using manure and creating your own soil and things like that. And it included traditional farming practices that they already knew helped regenerate soils. And those things included using animal manures and green manures and composting and crop rotations and that sort of thing. By the 1940s, the term organic began to replace the term humus farming. The 1970s in the U.S. especially sort of um, was a critical time against organic agriculture and a lot of that had to do with the associations of the 60s and 70s with organics also being uh, associated with countercultural activities that the mainstream were against. But as the 1970s progressed, a couple of studies came out that showed that a lot of farmers were moving towards organics naturally because they were getting better results, more healthy livestock, less problem with their soils, and chemicals were becoming more expensive and therefore they needed to reduce costs. So they started using less expensive organic methods from the past. Then in the late 1970s, regulations started to get involved here because, well, what does organic mean? And uh, third-party certifications became a part of it. And the first one in the United States was California's Certified Organic Farmers, CCOF. And that was established in 1973. And then in the late 80s, there were several such agencies around to do that. But the problem became that they all had their own set of regulations and it wasn't standardized. And therefore, it was time for the government to step in. In 1990, a law was passed that mandated the establishment of the National Organic Program, and it would be responsible for enforcing a national organic standard. But in order to do that, you had to create what the standard was. They established a board to do that, and it advised them on what synthetic materials could be allowed and what non-synthetic products should be not allowed in organic production and processing finally got their draft finished in the year 2000 and full implementation took place in 2002. So organic as a standard in the United States is a relatively new thing. So as we take this picture outside of just the United States and we realize that we share a lot of products and both agricultural and viticultural with Europe, it's good to understand the differences between the two. And organic wine, as we want to talk about, is a big deal in the EU and the United States to the tune of about $9 billion in sales in 2022 and somewhere around a billion bottles of organic wine sold. The EU is currently the largest producer and part of that is because they have a slightly different definition of organic wine, but about 90% of the world's organic vineyards are in France, Italy, and Spain. The biggest difference that we need to concentrate on for wine production is that 
The EU allows the addition of sulfites during the winemaking process, and the United States does not. Instead, in the United States, if you want to add sulfur in the winery as a preservative, um, you would then move down the path of saying made with organic grapes uh, instead of what is actually more along the lines of what we're now calling natural wine. And if that is the case in the United States, made with organic grapes, the final product must contain less than 100 parts per million of sulfites. And you're not allowed to use genetically modified yeast. So as long as it's a native yeast strain or that a strain of yeast that has been captured from nature but not modified, we're okay. So the future issues with organics are really around this idea that we brought up a couple of minutes ago where we talked about some synthetic products are allowed to be used in organics and some non-synthetic products naturally occurring are not. But a couple of the big threats to organic viticulture are around the use of sulfur and copper copper sulfate mixture specifically to fight the various forms of mildew invented in Bordeaux, the Bordeaux mixture, has a negative effect on nature. Copper is a heavy metal and it can become a toxin when you use it over and over again. So this is a major concern for organic viticulture because if organic viticulture were to ban copper and copper solutions, Bordeaux and several other regions of the world would be in a great panic at the moment to find a solution for downy mildew. So we have to find a naturally occurring solution for that in order to completely stop using copper sulfate solution or similars. Uh, sulfur in and of itself is a naturally occurring chemical and it is very good at fighting various forms of mildew. But again, spraying sulfur constantly is not always the best concept. Now let's get into some principles and methodology of what the aims and intentions of organic viticulture the first one is to coexist with natural systems and not try to dominate them. In other words, not enforce the will of man, let nature uh, do what nature is supposed to be doing. The next intention is to absolutely build soil fertility. Fertilizers, pesticides, insecticides, and things like that kill life in the soil. And dead soil is not a very good place to grow anything. It seeks to minimize any damage to the environment. So any choice made during viticulture specifically for our conversation needs to not damage the environment. And last but not least is to minimize the use of non-renewable resources. So as part of the green initiative in the wine industry, we're, we're also looking at ways to reduce carbon footprint, ways to reduce dependence on um, carbon-based energy sources, etc. So uh, that's all part of that non-renewable resources. Uh, to get into the world of organics, in order to qualify and be certified by any of these um, certifying bodies, you're going to need to keep all kinds of records, what materials you bought in, the fertilizers, the sprays, the, the plants that are brought into your fields, the cropping histories, the details of manure and fertilizer and spray applications are also going to matter. You have to go through a conversion from conventional to organic viticulture. It happens over the course of three years. And of course, in that process, you can't use any of the forbidden products over that time frame. You are going to want to manage your soil to get it back into full life through the addition of green manures and regular manures and not using synthetic fertilizers. There is the ability to supplement nutrients through naturally occurring minerals, but they are specified and you have to double check them. Crop rotations. Um, now in case of a vineyard, we're probably not having crop rotations of the actual vines, but we might rotate what is being grown between the vines, the cover crop. It's very important to maintaining soil health. 
and weed control. Your cover crop can help deter weeds that you don't want from growing. And then there's pest control, right? Why did we have insecticides? Because insects can be very destructive to viticulture and other agriculture. There are natural ways to do that, and one of the best ways is to encourage ecological harmony where you have the right amount of predation for the things that are trying to eat your vines. And last but not least is conservation, encouraging an environment in your vineyard that is keeping nature in harmony as much as possible, even though we know by planting a vineyard, we are putting the imprint of man in nature where it wouldn't be otherwise. So here are the pros and cons of organic viticulture as we know it today. The pros are long-term vineyard health, healthier for your workers, more time you spend in the vineyard because it takes more time to do it organically equals higher quality viticulture every time. Wines are more expressive of their locations in most cases. The cons, it's a higher cost for viticulture because you have to spend more time and you can't use the easy buttons that are less expensive. The certifications themselves are costly and often bureaucratically burdensome and it's risky to be organic in cooler, wetter regions with the range of poor vintages in the middle of the good ones. And last but not least, some of the treatments allowed for organic viticulture are still considered toxic to the environment. So I hope this helps you understand a little bit more about organic viticulture. And I want to thank TJ Griffin, our corporate wine educator, for the research he did on this topic that helped me put this podcast together. Until next time. <laughs>